Welcome to another edition of the Royal Lions UK podcast, episode number 75, A New Hope. My name's Matthew Turner, and I'm joined alongside my three co-hosts, Ryan McClassie, Martin Birrell, Ryan Farden. How are you doing, boys? Good evening, everyone. Yep, all good. So, the first day of new season has happened for the Lions. Comes off a, a closer loss than I think a lot of us were expecting, at least through three courses. Uh, we're going to start with a little bit of news before we review that game, and we'll dive straight into that. So, we did get the news since we last spoke that Taylor Decker has been moved to IR. The corresponding moves there, guard Tommy Kramer has been signed to the active roster for the practice squad. His position has been taken by Javon McKinley, who was cut the week before. So, the wide receiver who caught a couple of touchdowns in the preseason is back with us. We also elevated the tackle that we signed in only a few days before that. He was elevated from the practice squad for this game. And then during the game, there was a couple of injuries. Jeff Akuda does have a torn Achilles, and that is the end of his season. Uh, Dan Campbell's spoken a couple of times now since the game about how that's going to impact him, what they're going to try and do to make sure that he keeps his head up and he's getting, going to get himself in the best place for 2022. And it's encouraging that they are considering that already. But it's, it's a devastating blow for someone who's clearly worked really, really hard as a likeable guy. Um, obviously didn't have the best of games, got beaten on, on one threat that uh, I'm sure we'll get into later. But he's out and hopefully he'll be back better and stronger than 2022. And then Tyrell Williams, the wide receiver, he is also in the concussion protocol. Me and Ryan were talking before we started off. It looks like it might be unlikely that he suits up come Sunday. So we are also potentially our WR1 down Green Bay Monday week. We'll find out about this time next week. Uh, all right, boys. San Francisco, Detroit. How do you kind of feel it all went before we kind of dive into the specifics? What did you think? Uh, I'll go first. Work our way around. It was it was an interesting game. It was two two good quarters and two bad quarters. We opened well in the first quarter. We lost control in the second and collapsed for half time in the third quarter we couldn't maintain anything and in the fourth quarter miraculously we suddenly came back to life and made it a very reasonable scoreline and almost almost maybe potentially took it to overtime so it was a game very much of two halves I'd say but there was there was some positives with the negatives so I'll I'll take it. I've woke up this morning feeling better about it. Martin Ryan. I'll let Ryan go first. <laughs> you might be you might be more positive than me. Thanks for that. Yeah, there probably will be a bit more positive actually on this one by the looks of your face. But um no, the um yeah, it was it was, you know, great first of all, great to see fans back, you know, I think they deserve a special mention because I know quite a lot of people who attended. So great to see uh people tailgating, enjoying themselves. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's football 
his family, as they say. But, um, you know, um, great to see the Lions back out in the field. Great to see a Lions team with character, uh, a Lions team that doesn't give in. Um, we've got plenty to discuss because it was, as Ryan said, um, a game of basically two halves in two, into, you know, in four quarters of football. So it was an interesting game. Um, obviously disappointed because we lost um, and there was a chance there to, to bring it back. But, you know, I saw positives, saw a lot of negatives, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a rebuild at the end of the day and there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. And um, I would go as far as to say that the team surprised me a little bit, but obviously giving up 41 points at home, is never, ever going to get it done. And maybe we could say that, did the 49ers take the foot off the gas a little bit um, and uh, maybe allow us back into the game? Um, that's, that's you know, something to discuss anyway. So I'll pass it on to Martin now. To be fair, I don't think I learned much more yesterday than I already thought anyway. Um, I know a lot of people are... are Maybe getting a bit carried away about about the comeback at the end because it's hard to tell when a team's so far in front like that. It's hard to tell whether that's a case of foot comes off the gas or it's genuine grit and determination from the Lions. I guess we'll see more of that in the next few weeks. Um, but yeah, there were some positives, and I think um, Williams was a positive. I think he he had a decent game. Um, Probably better than I expected. Uh, I think we saw some good stuff from DeAndre Swift. Um, but yeah, I think I think there were lots of things there that, well, parts of the game were terrifying because I thought, you know, this could be any kind of score at the moment, the way the way it was going. Um, it, like Ryan said, great to see fans back. Um, you know, it seems like that first game. I think it was mentioned in commentary actually. That first game uh, is. It seems to be a bit of a smacking for whoever it is. And Patricia got done with 40. Now Campbell's been done with 40. But one of the biggest surprises for me, and again, it could be down to, you know, what, what the 49th mindset was late on in the game was, I never imagined this team could score 33 points. I, I did not see 33 points in this team, particularly against such a good defence as the 49ers have got. So I guess in terms of positives, that's it say less about the 41 conceded by the defence. But, um, you know, if I'm looking for a positive, it's that they scored points I didn't think that they could. Um, and 33 points, in all fairness, should win you a game. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sure we've got, we've got loads to talk about, but, I mean, I think that first thing we've got to say is that Pele saw, after a lot of people shitting on him in the first part of pre-season, when the lad hasn't even played for, um, you know, uh, nearly two years and now being moved to left tackle in the week of the game to face Joey Bowser. That's like, for me, the, the win of the game for us anyway, because uh, I think not many of us had us winning this game in the first place, but Penny Saul um, performance was phenomenal. And, um, you know, I'm really, really happy with that. That's, that's what, well, that's probably the biggest positive I took out of the game anyway. I just want to take a quick moment because Ant wanted to send a message to all of the guys who interacted with him on Twitter. So Ant's running our, our Twitter account on game day and actually for the majority of the time now because his uh, ability to do that far exceeds my own. He um, has that sort of wit and uh, scathing sarcasticness. You kind of need to do that. And he got a lot of engagement with guys who kind of interacted with us um, 
really, really well. And he just wanted to thank everyone who who did that with us. And he's going to do that as many game days as he can. So if you want to get involved with that, he's a good laugh. And he, he really appreciates all the support that you guys gave. So thank you very much for that. All you guys also watching live on YouTube and Twitch, appreciate you. Ashley, Ferg, Funky, Ken, um, and Sarah as well watching for work. So cheers, guys. Uh, if you can hit the like, sub button, we would appreciate you even more. Um, let's start talking about the early part of the game then. So, line start, first drive, drive down the field, fourth and one and a half, shall we call it, at the San Francisco 35. Would have been a 51-52 a yard attempt. The new kicker, who hasn't been on the team long, decided to go for it. Did he like the call? I like every call to go for it. Dan Campbell is going to take risks. He's going to be one of those guys that don't even care about the uh, the analytics. If they're in good field position or it's in a good place in the game, he's just going to go for it. And I, I thought it was a great decision. He was aggressive all game. And even if we didn't make it and turned over on downs, it wouldn't have bothered me anyway because at least we went for it. So I think he's going to be someone that is going to gamble on fourth down more often than not this season. Sometimes it's going to cost us heavily, but for the majority of the game, we did actually had a pretty good percentage in converting. I mean, it's a difficult one because it's easy to criticise as soon as it's, uh, uh, you know, not not taken as well, you know. But, um, you know, the field goal, you know, there's question marks over this kicker anyway. And the fact that, you know, they didn't go out there and maybe try and settle his nerves and show some confidence in him straight away. Maybe now looking back is a bit of a bad mistake because he went and missed his uh, next opportunity. And if we weren't in field goal range, I apologise, but I was pretty sure that we were. But um, you know, the uh, yeah, probably not the best idea. I would have sent the kicker out there, showing confidence, and hope that he got us on the ball with the first drive because there's there's positives to take from it. But you know, I like the aggressiveness, of course. But this is his job to get these decisions and to make sure we get these fourth downs when we go for it. So. Not a good call in the end, maybe. I think the O line did pretty well early on, to be fair. I think first half, um, the average just over five yards a carry. So I think we had four four, four decent um, spells inside the 49ers half, but just didn't come away with the points that we needed. And I think there's still, early, there's still learning early in the season, isn't there, to be done? And I think. You know, against against a, a team like the 49ers, I think you have to take those opportunities. And that's what I felt early on again. I thought we didn't take make the most of the opportunity that we had. You had the fumble from the 49ers first as well. So um, that was a bit disappointing. And then obviously, as the half wore, it just seemed to get away from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems strange straight away, actually just seeing Goff, where Stafford has always been. It was very strange. Um, I felt like at the start anyway. Um, but anyway, I, I try not to mention him again. But um, yeah, there were definitely positives at the start of the game. And I thought, you know, we started pretty brightly. And then, you know, whether it was a confidence thing or not, but it, as soon as, you know, that field goal was missed, it seemed to turn the game a little bit from, from that point on. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that way too, actually. I, I love the decision to go for it just because I think, from 50, you're about 50-50 to kind of make that kick. And so, you know, if that kick is then maybe 
worth about one and a half points, you know, 50% of three? Or is going for it going to get you more points on average, especially against a team like San Francisco where you're going to have to score to kind of win? You can't just sit back. I think it probably increases your chance of winning the game by going for it. I think if you've got a kicker who's proven from distance, like, you know, one of the legendary kickers that we might have just shipped out of town in the most recent offseason, I think maybe you do kick the field goal. And I think actually that's something that we all highlighted in the offseason as a potential positive of Prater leaving, is that we might actually go for more of these fourth and ones because we need to... We need to put up some more points in a, in a, a team where perhaps the defense isn't quite there yet. The offense has to be more efficient and score more points. So I like the decision. It's, it's a shame he slipped. The O-line obviously didn't block as well as they could have done in that play. It's easy to say with hindsight that I would have loved to have seen Goff roll out because him and Hawkinson was a something which was working all day and it always looked like we were going to run. So, you know, I want to see a bit of misdirection there, but obviously it didn't go that way. Fumble then happened for San Francisco. We got the ball gap back. And then the field goal was hit from... Where were they? We were from the 33. So it was only a couple of yards closer. So a 50-yard attempt. 51-yard attempt wide left. And, I mean, it looked good when he hit it, right? It was slightly left to center. And the wind took it in a bit of curl. That was a bit of a shame. Did you guys feel like the tide had turned at that point already? That I mean, I, I know for myself that I felt like, you know, we had two possessions. We come away with no points having been within their 35. That, do, that doesn't feel like it's going to be a good day for you, right? Yeah, for me, the tide turned at the pick six. That changed the entire game. Like, that just crushed us. And I'm, it was weird because we were... We looked all right, we're moving the ball, and then Goff did a Goff thing. You can see it on the tape. He stares at Hawk for a good four seconds in between three players, makes a throw that was impossible. No one, the best person in the world, would never have got that there. And he gave up, like say, the quick points, and next thing you know, we're kicking off again. It was just one of them things. Like, it was like, it reminded me of Stafford when he threw it to JJ uh, Watt. That, that was identical when he was like at our own 20-yard line and he just he just he stared at him and he gave him a gift. And from that moment there, like say the fans quickly jeered, like say this is going to the half and it just it just really went downhill from there. I think those last four minutes they said in the first half, I think we started within three points behind. I think we went in nearly 17 points down. We just collapsed in the space of four minutes and it was just it was a mountain to climb from ever since then. It's, it's even worse than you say. Six minutes to go, four points down, and the half 21 down. Martin? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I was surprised to see how hesitant Goff was in the pocket. You know, I think we're going to have to rely, I think we've known this anyway, but I think we've had to re, we're going to have to rely heavily on a run game um, because, the, you know, I think, did he throw the ball 57 times? He dropped back 57 times, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, we're not going to win games. You're not going to win tight games like that. Um, but I, I, was, I wasn't I was surprised by Goff. I mean, we've seen the last couple of years how, how Goff plays. And, you know, I think we saw much of the same again. And, and even through train camp, you know, a lot of the same kind of thing that we saw in the first three quarters from Goff. Um, just, you know, he, he found, I mean, the one positive for him is I think he linked up well with Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson had a great game. Um, so you know that, that was good, but 
we don't have that that arm anymore. And I think it was apparent as the you know as the game went on. I didn't have any confidence in that in that final set that um, we were going to do anything to to score that uh, game equal and touchdown. So yeah, I mean. Goff is what Goff is, and we'll see as we as the season goes on whether that's going to be the, the direction we're going to take ultimately or not. But um, certainly in in this game, I think we, we didn't we didn't see anything from him that that made me think anyway that he was the man for the future. I mean, I don't know whether. Sorry, Ryan, you go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was no, I was just going to say that the only thing that Goff does what Goff does in terms of whenever I remember watching him in, in LA is he always seems to go for the same people all the time. It's like he always goes, you know, you knew he always goes over the middle or whatever, or d- drops it off. You know, Williams, I mean, you know, got so many touches from him and it seems like he's going to go to Williams to get him out of trouble. He's going to go to Hawkinson all the time he can. It's like, look, Hawkinson looks like it's always going to be his first read. I mean, it's like, you know, I think that, you know, the amount of times we went over the middle, the other day, like yesterday, was unbelievable. I mean, it was just, that's all I remember from watching Goff is that he always loves, loves throwing over the middle. And, you know, I think that it's going to get us in trouble down the line. But, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed watching his performance. I, I, I quite liked, you know, I saw leadership from him as well, to be honest with you. But, you know, um, I, you know, and I just, I just saw a few things that were repetitive, is what I would say. But, you know, on the whole, I thought he'd done well. I mean, you know, I thought... You know, that that was a typical Goff interception, you know, and stuff like that, you know, that you, you've seen before in L.A. that probably had um, McVeigh pulling his hair out. But, you know, it's... Um, and also, I didn't see him bomb one down there. But obviously, then that goes to say, you know, is there much faith in our wide receivers to go get on the end of it? I know there was a couple of attempts towards the end of the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, and can he bomb it down there? I think we're going to have to see as as we go along with that one but I'm a bit worried on that on that score with him I mean I do remember one specific rep where he did try and go deep and it was I know that Ryan tweeted about it actually um but it was down the right hand sideline towards Khalif Raymond and it was three yards out of bounds like that was a rough rep but it was the first one he attempted on that but it didn't it didn't exactly give me good vibes but I think what so I want to get into this a little bit later, but maybe I'll mention it now. One thing that the Goff really gave me was that when the game was on the line, when when some urgency was required and he needed to be less scared, that he he stopped being the checkdown artist of of a two or three yard gain, and that's what he was kind of aiming for and hoping for some yak that he would actually throw the intermediate routes a bit more. I'm not talking long. But consistently making the 10 to 15 yard throws, 20 yard throws at the end of the game, he kind of did that in the two touchdown drives towards the end of the game and in the final drive that obviously didn't convert. That He kind of proved to everyone that he's got that ability, but he needs to be braver. And the only time he's brave is when we're dead and buried, which kind of sucks a bit. Do you think it's a lack of his, his either he hasn't adjusted yet to that O-line, or is it that he doesn't have confidence in them? I think it's a bit of both, actually. I think that, so you could see early on in the first half that either he he was slightly off with his passes or that he wasn't on the same page with his receivers because some of his throws were consistently a yard away from where they should have been. But it's a very simple thing to say, Goff was off target because that's kind of what it looks like. 
But it may be more complicated than that. Maybe in terms of the timing of the route, the receiver is meant to be where Goff is putting it and the receiver hasn't got there. Now, I, I think probably it's a, a mixture of both. That Goff is slightly inaccurate and the receivers also quite weren't quite where they were meant to be. But there were a few drops mixed in there as well in the first half, which were very infuriating. Swift had one which could have been intercepted over the middle. Um, I think Williams had a drop as well. A couple of others were in there too. Let's have a look. So Hawk dropped two, um, Swift dropped a couple, I think Amon Ra had a drop. Now, there are a few guys out there who you'd expect to be super reliable with that sort of thing, and maybe maybe just slightly inaccurate from Goff, at least in the first half. He obviously warmed up to the task. Let's talk a bit more about um, what happened just after we, we finished off there. So the touchdown for San Francisco to open the scoring. They kind of proceeded down the field with a couple of Mostert runs before he got injured. Kittle for 20-odd yards. And then Lance finished it off with a, a pick play, throwing to the left-hand side for his first NFL touchdown. That play was a blown coverage by Oruwari. He got picked. He didn't see it coming. It's the sort of thing that Shanahan absolutely loves to do. Do you think that's just... A genius at work on the offense, or do you think that's the sort of thing that maybe our coaches should have seen coming and been like, "All right, Amani, this is going to happen, and you need to deal with it"? Or do you think it's just execution on Oruwariye's part that he should have done better because he had a bit of a rough game, especially in the first half? Uh, I'd say it was a bit of everything. Like they should have seen it coming because when Lance was going to come in, they knew they were going to do something simple. They weren't going to take anything too complicated. Seeing as they're only about twelve yards out. We're obviously going to try and get a rub or do something to disrupt our mind and get a simple. And he had an absolute stinker of a game. I am slowly losing faith and confidence in him. Genuinely, as a cornerback, too. Like he, he left it. He's, there's a few guys that actually lost their footing, which was actually kind of odd to see on like this turf. But yeah, he, he didn't control his speed or anything. He came in, rushed in too quickly. And by the time they brought it back out, like you say, he was on his ass, and he, he couldn't turn around in here. Like you say, he gave an easy score. It wasn't even a pick play, was it? It was just a simple um, fake the fake the slant and then back out to the outside. Yeah, out. yeah. Sorry, there was a pick play for another touchdown. I completely forgot. But yeah, yeah. What about you, Brian Martin? What did you think for that initial touchdown? No, it's all good, guys. Don't worry. Right. Okay. So let's move on to the Lions touchdown. Then we. We kind of squared it up, so Igrabuke muffed the, muffed the kickoff, if you remember, and then kind of took it forward a little bit. That worried me to hell, because Igrabuke got the start, uh, got the start, got on the 53-man, no, sorry, got the start on the basis that he was, you know, the starting kick returner, and Jamar Jefferson was a healthy scratch, even though he's probably the RB3 on ability. He doesn't have any special teams ability, and so Igrabuke gets that RB3 role comes in as the starting kick returner, and immediately muffs the punt. I mean, another guy's had a terrific camp in order to get here, converted safety and all that, but he showed that fragility in special teams during preseason. You thought maybe he's got it out of him now, and that's why he's coming in. And that scared the life out of me, watching that, because what's he there for? He can't catch a ball. Like, that's, that's scary. Right, um... So what else did we have during this drive? There was a roughing the passer on Goff, which, if I remember rightly, the asshole Mark Sanchez called well-sold. 
And it's like, his helmet's halfway off his face, you bastard. Um, <laughs> uh, but we kind of proceeded down the field. So it was a 13-play, tw- 82-yard drive, finished off um, just after the end of the first quarter by, where were we, TJ Hawkinson catching the end zone for a touchdown. Um, and at that point, I kind of started to feel like it might be okay that we might be able to hang with these guys. It seemed like one of those touchdowns we knew would happen if it was going to be a line touchdown, slow, methodical. But we took what they gave us, and it didn't really seem like they were going to be able to stop us there. The run game especially looked really good early on. Yeah, behind behind Ragnow and in between the guards. Jamal Williams wasn't even disguising it. He was just ploughing straight up the middle for 10 yards, asking the 49ers to stop him. And they just couldn't. We just kept going back to that bread and butter whole game and it just kept working. And that may have been because uh, Javon Kinlaw wasn't there. He spotted that as a weakness and we exploited it. And that that was a really well thought out drive. Like I say, it worked the clock really well, which is something we've never been able to do. So I was I was feeling confident at that point. Mm. I mean, uh, 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 how many how many first how many third downs did we get ourselves into in that game? Because it seemed like every single time we like every drive must have been like about a minimum of six drive six six plays at the minimum. So I think that was the last drive of the game or something like that. But it felt like we could, you know, we were just always on third down during that game, and it just had. You know, just took too long. I mean, I can only remember, I think, was it Williams getting back-to-back first downs or something at one point? And, you know, just, I don't know, just, it just, there's, 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 you know, there was, there was glimmers out there. I, I thought the new guy, um, Trinity Benson, had a couple of decent moments during the game. But, you know, it's, it's just, there's just too many, I think it feels like there's too many young players and there's too many players out there that, like, you know, they just need a lot of development in them. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It was first half. I found a bit difficult to watch to be honest with you because it just it just didn't see you know it just didn't seem seem that you know that good at all to me. But you know I don't know. It's... Yeah. So on on third down we were four of fifteen. San Francisco were three of nine, and then we were two of four on fourth. So yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So moving on. Uh, San Francisco scored a. Four plays, 78-yard touchdown, which was mainly the result of a couple of chunk plays, um, one of which was a a 30-yard completion to Debo Samuel over the middle. Jeff Akuda getting burned again. Um, That wasn't the play for the touchdown. That was actually finished off by Elijah Mitchell for 38 yards, which was one of a few big runs he pulled off. And... um, for all my kind of talking about the fact that this run defense should be a lot better, he burned us there, third or fourth string running back. And that right-hand side of our, the right-hand side of the offensive line, the left-hand side of our defensive line especially, looked weak in the run game. I agree. Like I say, we, we really struggled to keep any sort of contain. Like we could not keep anything from bouncing outside. We were just getting these cheap running lanes. Their receivers were blocking well, like the we were struggling to get the corners involved. And once again, Will Harris, complete liability. I would gladly get rid of him right now. He is just he has exhausted all my patience and he shouldn't be here anymore. I think we missed 10 open field tackles. I guarantee he had at least half of them. And some of them came on that drive because, like I say, it was a simple scamper into the end zone. 
and like I say, Mitchell was the third or fourth guy. Like I say, the first half, the safeties just really struggled. Things were getting to the next level and they just weren't wrapping up. So, like I say, it was a bad run defence in general. Like you I'm say, I'm yep. sick of Harris, to be quite honest. Absolutely sick of him. But like He was pulling his arse a number of times yesterday, just like pr- properly just shit efforts as well. Just, I don't know. There was one point I nearly threw the remote on the TV when uh, we got done a second time. Um, I can't remember what it was now. Uh, the face mask. Yeah, just, just rubbish. Um, yeah. You know, he's not. You know, he's on a fair whack as well. That's what's really frustrating. Um, he's not picking up pennies, and I don't know. Large parts of the, the game, I know I was annoyed by Flowers as well, but you know, I know he, he had a, a great, well, great play towards the end of the game. But yeah, it's the same people on that defense letting this down every time. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to, well with you guys on there. He, I don't, I don't, I'm starting to think is he even an NFL player because I, I just, I just don't think he's shown any real quality. And you know, if we sacked his ass off, I don't think there's going to be teams rushing to come in and get him. I mean, he's had ample opportunities, and he must be shit out in practice because he definitely doesn't do it on fucking game day. I know that's for sure. I mean, you know, the amount of sticker Kuda gets. At least, like, you know, that's, you know, still a kid that's still learning the game to a degree. And unfortunately, he's picked up this massive injury, which is going to, you know, hamper him even more. But we'll have, these guys have had plenty of opportunities. Jamie Collins was one who pissed me off yesterday. I mean, you know, how slow is he? He can't fucking oh. uh, figure out that. I, well, I'd say he had a couple of good plays in the second half, but, you know, he couldn't figure out the run to save his life at times yesterday. Oh, so that was the bit that I actually really liked about him. I thought he looked a bit lost in coverage, but I thought in run defence, he looked excellent. He was on the side that wasn't really being targeted, and Anzalone was the one that I thought was a complete liability in the, against the run. In fact, against the run and in coverage, Anzalone's a coverage linebacker who can't cover. Oh, what are you doing there? At least Collins can help in the run game. At least he's got the sort of physicality that is going to do it. I think Collins is sort of like... Uh, a slightly more expensive version of Jelani Tavai. He moves a bit, and he's meant to be good at the run, and it kind of is in coverage. You can take him or leave him. But that might be a bit harsh on Collins. He was meant to be our third-highest-ranked player in on D yesterday. So, yeah. In in terms of the 10 missed tackles, just break, break down how that has come to. So, Will Harris and Romeo Aquara led the way with two missed tackles each. And then there was one miss from Anzalone, Melifonwu, Brockers, Kevin Strong, Tracy Walker, Jamie Collins. So there's your missed tackles. Let's move on to a little bit later in the game. So this is where uh, the Lions then drove down the field once again, but this time settled for a field goal that was actually successful. So, you know, Swift pulled off back-to-back 16 and 15-yard runs in the middle of this drive. He was looking really good. Both running backs went over 100 yards from scrimmage, which was really encouraging. So, you know, hopefully that's a, a strength that we can really do something with. Siebert got the 49-yard field goal, having missed the 51, you know, just before. And we're four down, and I think we're probably down the barrel at that point because it doesn't look like we're going to stop San Francisco. And soon enough, 77-play, 75-yard drive, um, where none of their plays were more than 20 yards, sorry, let me see that again. Yeah, none of their plays were more than 23 yards in that drive. Late on in the quarter, 
and you've got roughing the passer penalty to start it off. And I think in commentary they were saying, oh, you've got to move down the field fast here. You can't commit any penalties. Boom. Gone. Clock stops. And ugh, it's just so frustrating. Um, especially with when it's Elijah, um, Elijah Mitchell and then Jermichael Hasty burning you. That's got to hurt. It's got to yeah. hurt because Hasty is like, he's a running back that sees the field very little. Like, he came in, took his chance, like, say, and he, he got in with relative ease. Like, say, the, the defence was supposed to bend, not break, trying to see out the half. Like, say, they just keep giving up these these cheap chip shots. Like, say, they were keeping them in bounds as well. They couldn't get anyone out of bounds. They played as well. We were just tackling them like the clock. Just, it was just, it was so frustrating. Like, say, there was, we never, like, getting the stop before the half. Yeah, it's the you know I think they gave up ninety one rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns in just in the first half. I mean, you're just not even going to be able to compete with those kind of figures. So, you know, it's it's the age old issue, but the issue is that we know that that, that we had coming into the season. So, yeah, and then straight after that, the the pick six happens, and it feels like it's something I've seen from Goff before, right? It's like the most Goff thing ever. And it kind of summed up the first half, right? You know, just kind of full of promise, but ultimately disappointing, is how I'd probably describe it. Sounds like the last 10 years for me, watching the Lions. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was just headed towards the fridge to go and get another beer at that point. You know what I mean? I think I just got on about five minutes before that because it was just, you just thinking, fuck me, same shit, different day, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah. I mean, was, what I didn't understand, I didn't understand about that play is that, as Ryan said, Hock was triple covered, but the two guys on the outside were one-on-one. Just take a chance. If you want to take a chance, take a chance. But not that chance. It was no, just like the on top of an incredibly shit cake at that point, wasn't it? I just thought, well, that's, you know, that was literally the game was done there. And it just, you know, it was so frustrating to make such a stupid mistake. I know that can happen, but just when you just didn't need it. Yeah, it felt it felt like the game was over at that point. I mean, obviously, continue to watch it and everything like that. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, there would have been plenty of people out there, I suppose, that would have gone off fuck this and turn it off. But, you I know... Mean, uh, I suppose you could say fair play to Goff because, he, you know, he, he did come back from that to an extent. Uh, he didn't let it get on top of him and that would have been the easiest thing to do at that stage, I think. Yeah, so I mean, so that happened with a minute and ten to go, and the Lions go three plays for minus three yards, punt the ball away, and the 49ers, in the space of 44 seconds, have time to go seven plays for 50 yards to kick another field goal. I mean, we're, we're already several drives removed from the San Francisco have the ball, we're four points down, let's hold them to a field goal and get to the half, and they've scored 17. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. Uh, just plan execution from the DC to the defense to the offense on the on the punt. Like, what's happening, boys? So we go into the half, 21 points behind. San Francisco with the ball. They miss the field goal to start. We punt, and then they score a five-play, 91-yard touchdown, which is topped off with a Debo Samuel 79-yard pass. So this is the the play that everyone's talking about with Akuda. And 
I'm kind of with the guys that are saying that 99% of this play is almost perfectly done by Akuda. Like, his coverage is excellent. He is tight to the defender. He is exactly where he should be. And if he can get his head around, it could be an interception. It should be an interception. It's not a well-thrown ball. It's underthrown, which is why Akuda's hands are not in the right place. And then he gets burned. I, d I don't get why, you know, when he's going for the catch, he doesn't just... If you're not going to try and get your head around to get the ball, then muller the bastard when he catches it. Like, just hit him. He didn't do either, like you say. The moment the ball was caught, you see Debo, he just he slaps the brakes on. He stops instantly. Akuda just bloody lazily swings an arm at him. He cuts in, and then who was there? Mr. Will Harris. He had a free shot at him. He had a free shot at him. Took a poor angle. He just walked in. With Akuda, I just feel like we saw this last year as well, and you would expect by now that you would see something. Um, we're not going to see it this year, but... This guy is the third overall pick, and it's it beggars belief from from what you can see. I know last year we said, you know, this is rookie year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The, the defense was shit anyway, but uh, you would just he he's making his own big mistakes like yesterday. Um, you know, focusing too much on the receiver, just just walk past him. So yeah, I, I mean. We're going to have to park that one now until next year again. But, yeah, I was really disappointed with him yesterday. And obviously he got a bollock in it that will be memed up to death, I'm sure, for the next, I don't know how long. But, yeah. With, with I mean, you know, with the new guys coming in, the coaching staff and the GM and everything like that, they must have watched a lot of tape on the Lions over the last couple of years. And especially on the defence, because that's been our Achilles heel Forever, basically, and um, oh, don't talk about the Achilles. That's just harsh. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Well, uh, that was that was an um, uh, yeah, it's a low blow, unintended error. But the um, <laughs> yeah, it's just I, I just don't get it. I mean, you know, I you know I'm a firm believer in the, in the, in the defensive coordinator. I thought his adjustments at halftime were excellent. I really did. I thought that you know we showed. You know, what we should do, you shouldn't down tools just because you're losing. You've got to get back out there and put some fucking effort in for the people that are paying, you know, to come and see you and, and you know, spend a lot of money doing that. And, and, you know, just for yourself and your own pride and for your teammates, you know. So I did see that. That's That was another, you know you know, positive from the, from the day at least. And, as, you know, as, as we said before we came, came on, you know, that how many times... Do we expect adjustments from from Patricia's teams and never got anything at halftime? And you know, one thing that we can say is that we did get better as a team in that second half. And I thought that you know, that's where a lot of the positives have come from. Yes, we, you know, we mentioned did the 49ers take their foot off the gas a bit? They probably did. But um, you know, I still think that credit's due um, for the adjustments by the by the defensive coordinator. You know, he, I thought he'd done a instead of job in the second half and but like to get back to it I think that it's got to a point where if we want to try and do anything this season we need to be seriously considering making a trade for someone or looking at someone in free agency and obviously that's got to happen now with Akuda being banjax for the year so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Just a, a quick comment from Ashley in the Twitch chat he said that the the bollocking that 
Akuda got was actually for the the long running back touchdown rather than that play that we're talking about now. So for the the long seventy yard or whatever it was running touchdown, Akuda actually missed the tackle for that touchdown and and he got burned for that. And the do your job rant was for that play. But on the Debo Samuel coverage miss touchdown, he actually yeah, gave him like yeah, like a kind of fatherly sort of you did good son sort of hug. It was weird, but felt strangely good about watching that. Like that the the coaching staff can give the carrot and the stick. There's a there's a lot of talk on uh, after the game yesterday I and mean, prior to the injury whether. Whether he's a bust or not, now, I don't think. I still think it's too early to make that kind of call. Particularly, we're not going to see him the rest of the year. But uh, what do you guys think? I'm no, I don't think he's a bust. I think it's still too early to tell, and I think he has been he's been served well a shit sandwich, anti so far in his career. Like I say, it's really hard to give him put a label on him right now, especially now. Like you say, his season's done. It could have easily bounced back after today's performance, but now we're not going to see it. And Achilles injuries, they can stay around for life. We may not get the same Jeff Okuda back, and this could just go down in the long history of players that unfortunately were just ruined by injuries and we never got to see if they were a bust at all or not, unfortunately. But right now, no, I don't think it's... I would never use that label. I think it's it's harsh on him. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, I think it's a good point regarding the Achilles as well, Ryan, because, I mean, not to bring me into it because I'm not exactly a, um, a, a professional athlete in any aspect of the imagination, but uh, the... Um, the uh, I've seen your speed to the bar. Don't don't be coy. Yeah, I'm, I'm quick, uh, quick over a five-yard dash to the bar, that's for sure. <laughs> Especially when it's closing time and they're ringing the final bell. The, um, but, um, around, that's it, that's it. I just don't like getting around in but the um but yeah, they, they do stick around, you know. I mean, normal people could just have like could have a problem with Achilles and they just never really get over it. So that's gonna be one to watch for sure, especially a professional athlete. Um he hasn't had much help. He didn't get any coaching last year. He's just kind of he, he was one game into um a new uh, staff. It's too early to say, to be brutally honest you. Um and and you know. Even even the one who I can't pronounce, he's he's still a young lad. I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I I was thinking about saying this and I I can only imagine what people on the chats will probably be thinking by it. But I would love to see Sherman come in, Richard Sherman. I would love to see a leader come into that team and someone who is going to help coach as well as and be a leader for these players. I, and I think that if you're going to stick around with the others like Will Harris and that, I think that they need someone back there like that personally for me. But, you know, otherwise it's going to be a very long season and just expecting these youngsters to come out and do it, it ain't going to happen for me. It's, they're going to need a leader there, someone, someone with, um, you know, history in the league. I kind of agree that if we want to be competitive this season, we do have to get someone like that. But my question is, at what cost? Because even if we bring in someone like that, the likelihood of us competing this year is not high. And if we can use that cash, roll over to next year, where we've already got a load of free capital and actually really bolster the roster for next season, I really feel like we could make ourselves competitive next year if we actually give the reps to the young guys who need the time right now while we don't worry about the fact whether we need to win or lose. Because it sucks that we're going to not write off the year, but, you know, just accept that it might be tough. Because what happens if Melifonwu 
could be a really good player, but he just needs some game time. And then we bring in a vet. Like, that sucks for him. So I'm, I'm torn. Like, I want Sherman to come in because I feel like he and Dan Campbell would get along like a house on fire. I think they'd be all about that. But on, on Akuda, I just wanted to say, Akuda last year, dealing with his groin strain, we'd have never seen that coverage from him last year against Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel, one of the most explosive players in this league. That coverage where he does give up the touchdown, he was right in his face and just kind of gets it wrong in the final millisecond of that play. But last year, he'd have been five yards behind him because he didn't have the explosiveness to his play because his groin was gone. Now, the difference between injured and bust is, you know, in, in terms of how many points go on the board is about the same. But he was injured all of last year and played through it like an absolute warrior and took the social media abuse for it. And then one game into this season, he actually put himself in positions to make the plays. He didn't quite execute. But one game is a rough sample size to judge this guy on. And you know what? I I bloody love the guy. I really do like Jeff Akuti. He comes out there. When you hear him speak in front of a camera, you think, this guy's just a good dude that I want to get behind. And I got my fingers crossed that he can come back in next year. BCB2. No pressure. Second best cornerback. Oruwarie's gone. We've brought in a leader for CB1. And I think that could be a really good spot for him where he could actually excel in his third year, go into his fourth year, potentially taking back the CB1 spot. And then we pick up the fifth year options and we've got a really good corner on our hands. But we need to take the pressure off him. I don't <laughs> think... I don't, he shouldn't be the CB1. He, he doesn't quite have it yet. Or do you think that there's a potential change of position coming in, maybe to safety for him down the line? Or no, it's discussed or hinted that last year. But I mean... Might, might 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 benefit him. It could. What do you reckon, Ryan? You're you're a DB. I think to protect his Achilles, depending on where he comes back, the uh, the ability to just travel forward, less backpedaling, it could very well be an option. Moving, he's got the size and he can tackle pretty well. I think to protect the rest of his career, depending on how he rehabs, you may well think about moving to safety. And I'd like to see him potentially take the uh, the strong side, like say. Let Walker does what he does best. It could very well be needed. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the rest of the game. And and you guys have mentioned that you quite like the adjustments that were made at the half. What did you see that actually kind of happened that you liked specifically? Just so if the guys don't actually know what's happened, that you know you can tell them, well, this happened, and so and so we were more successful here. What what did you see that? The AG kind of saw and was like, I don't like this, I'm going to change it. The first thing I saw was Tracy Walker. He, he brought him into the box. Like you say, he got him closer to the line of scrimmage, so he was less deep. I think he brought, he just, he dropped Will Harris a bit deeper. He let Walker do more of his own thing. It showed when he got the sack. Like you say, he had him blitzing off the edge on that. Uh, he showed a bit of fake and came in on. And I think, in general, he made more open field tackles. It helped a bit more in the run game, supported the linebackers. And I think it's it's where he looks best. I think he is one of the best box tackling safeties, potentially, in the league. He's got the potential. But when you stick him out there on the back end on his own, like you, you kind of hang him out to dry, and he's a bit too far away to make an impact. But I think he had a much better second half. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. I mean, you know, I think you play with a lot more aggression as well, and not being not playing frightened. It seems, you know what I mean? Like when they when they kind of take, you know, takes, you know, just just take the leash off them and let them go out and play and say, look, there are you are going to make mistakes, but you got to learn from them and stuff like that. I just like to, I like the the he definitely turned it around in the second half. I mean, you know, there's still a hell of a lot of work to be done there, but but you're right. I just thought that, you know, I mean, he he got the sack for us as well, didn't he? As well, so you know, um, it, it, and the only sack of the game, which to be brutally honest, you, I was a little bit surprised of. I thought we might be able to get to Garoppolo, um, and. Uh, uh, that never happened, but um, you know, yeah, there was big improvements. You know, we don't want to come here and shit on any of our players. That's the last thing we want to do. But you know, I, I, I like that the the overall aggression of the team as a whole. They look like more of a team. You know what I mean? And obviously, you know, there's a good chance that the Forty Nineers did take the foot against a tiny bit, but I don't think that they did to the full extent. I think that the team, our, our team, the Lions deserve a lot of credit for those adjustments, especially on defense, because we didn't give up many points in that second half. I mean, the run defence was the biggest thing for me, but there were two big things. So run defence and Devo Samuel, and this was actually mentioned on the Detroit Lions podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, Ash Thompson gives a really good breakdown of this. But one of the issues that we were having is that Ori Warrior was playing off-man coverage against Devo Samuel. Devo Samuel was burning him. And it made Ori Warrior look bad. But Ash was saying... Well, it's all well and good that you can say that Oriwari looks bad here, but he's not being put in the position to succeed. And actually, one of the adjustments that was made at half-time was that he was being brought into press man against Evo, not giving him the time and space he needs to have use that explosion to just get around you. Because he said, you put any cornerback in that position, they're going to fail against a receiver like Devo Samuels. So he changed that, and he started locking him down. Devo was much less successful in the second half. So that was one thing. But the run defense really stood up. I was, I was really impressed by how Penasini did in his 17 snaps. He was one of the more highly rated guys. Jamie Collins was excellent in run defense. The whole of the defensive line was much, much better in the second half, especially when with San Francisco so far ahead that it was obvious running situations. And they stood up and delivered and gave us the ball back on multiple occasions. So that was really encouraging. Who, who was the one who got that beautiful hit in? Was it Strong? Um, was it Strong who got the the hit on 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 the running back? Um, Nick Williams got one at least. Yeah, that's a beautiful hit. I mean, that's what you want to see. You need we need to see that. You have to be doing that on multiple occasions. And like you know, I thought you know, like Martin mentioned earlier, I thought Flowers up until like literally the last minute or two of the game like I thought he was overall quite quiet I mean maybe I missed something with him but um, I thought that he was a little bit quiet for us today especially when you need someone like him to stand up and you know but um, you know maybe maybe I'm off, off, off on that one no 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 you're not off at all but I think what happened there is that Trey Flowers was playing right end and um, bloody hell Romeo Aquara was playing left end and the Niners were either running up the gut or running off right tackle. And so they were just running away from Flowers, which is why we didn't see much of him. And he was up against Trent Williams, who kind of, they kept each other quiet. Like nothing much happened on that left-hand side. But Mike McGlinchey had a really good day in the run game against Romeo Aquara, who was a liability out there. Like we know that his brother was actually healthy scratch because he couldn't defend the run. But Romeo's in big danger 
I think, of being taken out of that rotation on runs, run reps because, you know what, he, got, he was the highest guy for pressure grade with 87.2, but his tackling grade was 24, which is horrific. And his run defense grade was 37, which was the second lowest of anyone out there outside of Alex Anzalone, who was horrific. So Romeo has to improve in a big way. With all the money he's been paid in the offseason, he has to be able to do both because you do not pay a third down linebacker like him, like we have. So... Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You seem to this seems to happen so often on multiple teams where the players get their contract and then their production seems to drop. I mean, obviously it's only one game into the season, and I'm sure he'll turn up. Uh, but that that is definitely one to keep an eye on. There's no doubt about it. You know, he, he you know he has to seriously improve because he's one of our biggest uh, players on that de- defense. So let's talk about the rest of the game now. Obviously, the Lions got a couple of touchdowns in, including a really nice one from um, Seafirst, and then the two-point conversion was good. It was a quick pass to TJ Hawkinson for the first one, which was electric. Like Goff saw something immediately at the snap, snapped it very quickly, and Hawkinson was out there on his own. That was really, really impressive. Um, what was the touchdown? Um, deep left to Trinity Benson. Yes? Benson touchdown? Why have I forgotten that? Was it Benson? No. 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 What am I reading? I'm trying to read ESPN here, and this is difficult. Uh, no, Jamal Williams, one-yard rush. There we go. Benson had the play before that. That's fair enough. Okay, so uh, Williams touchdown, Cephas touched. Uh, no, Cephas two-point conversion. It was uh, a toe tapper, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that was so, that, that two-point conversion. It was conversion. fantastic catch. Yeah. Like in in Cephas, I genuinely see someone who can just consistently produce. He he seems very assured for someone of his age. But why didn't he play then? Why in the first half was he not targeted? Why was he barely on the field? He saw very limited snaps, I thought. He didn't actually feature much. Like, why did it take so long to get him going? I found that was a bit strange, to be honest. And then agree on that. Sorry, no, I was just saying I agree with that one with Cephas. You know, I mean, just give try and get him the ball. Just you know, just just give him a go. This they didn't they didn't you know utilize him enough for me either on the offense. So obviously we had the the recovered onside kick, and then we got the ball back after. San Francisco have won the game, Flowers forced the fumble, and all he had to do was take a knee. Uh, and then the Lions drive down the field and don't quite make it. But did did any of you for a moment in that final drive kind of go, oh, shit, like, we might actually do this. Like, here we go overtime. Yeah. No, Ryan? No, I never felt we were going to. I, I I might have tweeted that Goff had ice in his veins. But like <laughs> I say, I, I never actually saw them scoring. Because I think what happened is suddenly, like, he didn't look as finessed. I think he kind of like, oh, shit, he kind of realised we're kind of back in this game, pressure back on, because he didn't. He thought the game was over. That's when Goff got hot, when the game was over. Now, I wanted to see that Goff in the first half. And then suddenly when he realised where he was, it was, his accuracy just went to crap again. And next thing we know, we're on a fourth and nine. I think there was a costly 
I think might have been a penalty. Like the last drive was probably one of the worst of the game, just because we realised, oh god, we could actually take this to overtime. Like I don't mind too much. Like by then, like we'd got our entertainment, we'd seen what we'd seen. Like you say, there was there was there was some stuff to work on, and I think we'd earned some respect as well. I think as UT, I think we'd shown everyone we won't be written off so easily. So from a personal standpoint, like. For the players' confidence, I think it was really big. If we'd have lost that game 41-17, we we this podcast right now would be so much different. Oh Those yeah, sixteen points in the world. Yeah, so Dan was nice that, that last uh, drive it was a nice um, pass to Saint Brown. Was that part of that last drive? Uh, part of the so the last drive was a twenty-yard pass to Saint Brown and a twenty-five-yard pass to Khalif Raymond. Yeah, and then it was a bit of shitty pants on the last one with the I think we were, you know the incomplete pass on the on the last one. But um you know, I mean we can say you can sit here and say, yeah, you know, we competed to the end, but fuck me, that, that should be the absolute bare minimum of, of anything that we expect. If we're talking about culture changes, we shouldn't be boasting about carrying on when you're forty one, you know, what a thirty thirty-eight, ten was it at one point? Yeah, you, know, you should be yeah. boasting that you. Hey, guess what? We carried on playing. That, that's you know that's exactly what we should be doing. So exactly that's the minimum that we expect. What what I'm still to learn really from from yesterday is are are the team better than than last season? Questionable, I guess, when you look at the players that we've lost. But also, what is that level of competitiveness going to be there every week? So when it is tight, are they still going to be you know? as competitive as that or is it just blow out it's nice and easy to come to try and show a bit of effort there and yeah you know a few things went for us in that in that run you know kittle on the onside kick you know those kind of little things went for us towards the end which i think probably put a bit of a positive slant on it but I, the good thing is i think you know dan campbell knows this and, and and that came through in the press conference for me i don't think anyone's sitting on the coaching staff thinking you know it was a great performance by any stretch, but if they're competitive in Green Bay on Monday, you know, I saw a little bit of their game yesterday. They, they weren't great. So, you know, if we're competitive, then, you know, brilliant. But, it, you know, it's it's early on to say that what happened yesterday afternoon was, was you know, brilliant in terms of not, not giving up. But let's see. It's, it's a long season and, we know it's going to be a difficult one. I don't think anyone was under the impression it wasn't going to be. And I think we, we know that, especially after yesterday. But what was good about yesterday is we, like I said at the start, I think putting up that many points on a, a side capable of going to the Super Bowl, I was pleased with that. Um, you know, the run game it was heavily dependent on. But, you know, that's where we are with that wide receiving class, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's not great. So... Uh, probably there's there's less confidence to throw it a bit, but you know, let's see. It's as long as we're going forward in, in the right direction, we're seeing little bits and pieces, and I think that's what we can take from this year. And let's just say it's an 18 game preseason. Well, I mean, can I just say, I mean, I mean, I'm, I was never one that subscribed to this because I was, I think we all here love Matthew Stafford. I mean, considering pretty much all of us grew up with him in a way, but um, the you know, was some of that like, you know, you know, when he got criticised for it, like junkyard time, uh, you know, yardage, you know, where you kind and of get Stafford. stuff. 
yeah, you know, like that's what Stafford always got criticised for. So, you know, um, like junk time or whatever it's called, you know what I mean? But, I mean, you know, you look at it, are these guys going to be able to do it in, you know, we our best players on offence, uh, apart from like players on the O-line, were obviously, you know, Hawkinson, what did he get? Just under 100 yards or something. Um, and, you know, you got um, Khalif Raymond, I think he picked up like, you know, 50 yards or something like that. But, you know, obviously, and then it was, it was just Williams who you, you know, is going to get loads of touches running and, and in the pass game and Deandre Swift. So it's kind of like, I suppose it's good in a way that our best players were contributing. Um, We need the support cast to really turn it up now. And, you know, there was little moments of, you know, good stuff from Benson and, you know, but uh, a lot more needs to be done. And especially next week in Green Bay, because, you know, we got a small chance there, but uh, you know, we got to, we got to turn it up more. No doubt about it. Yeah. Did you think we had a chance there? Did did I, did I catch that right? I think Me. we got a chance. Well, Me, yeah. I think we got a chance in Green Bay now. I think you know. I mean, you you can you can't blame anyone for being kind of scared for going into Green Bay in a way because it's such a fortress. But you know, when you see how badly Aaron Rodgers was missing the uh, Batiari and and then the guy who was their center, I forget his name, he went to the Chargers. You know, they they looked they looked a shambles yesterday. They looked an absolute shambles. So. You know, there's a lot, there's a big turnaround for them as well. But obviously, one thing's for sure, they're going to be well fired up for us next week, especially Lindsley. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's a massive miss. And I I think I mentioned it last week. I think the Chargers are going to be a very good team this year. Thank God we're not playing them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So let's, let's maybe pick out one person each that we really like the play of and one person that we thought had a trash game. Maybe a winner and a loser from this game, or it doesn't have to be a player, maybe a coach or something like that. But Ryan M, do you want to kick us off with someone? Well, it goes without saying the worst player was Will Harris. Like I'll, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I'm gonna go for a coach. I'm gonna go to Juice Staley. Like I think he has been doing fantastic work with the running backs. Like his rotation of Swift. And like say Jamal Williams, it, it worked really well. Him and Lynn, like they knew when to change them, when to have them on the field together and when not. Like say one was a decoy potentially in the slot, like say, and we've got these these good check downs. I think Jamal Williams is emerging as our running back one, you know. I think Swift should be really worried. I think he's gonna end up being just a a rotational guy. Like I think it's it's not the candle's been burning out, but his thunder was well and truly stolen. So I think Drew Steele has got two fantastic guys. Like say we had we didn't see much of a running back three, but if we I think we'll see Jamar Jefferson next week. Like say I don't think Godwin will make the start, but I think we've got a class of guys now. If we can maintain just an average run game in the season, we're always going to be there. Maybe score 20, 30 points a week. Like that should be a given, and that's they've set the bar really high for themselves now. I'm pretty sure two running backs haven't had 100 combined yards each since Joyke, Bell and Reggie Bush. And that was like 2014, 2015. That's how bad we've been. So this is, they've set the bar high now, but can we maintain it? That's what I want to know. Yeah. What about you, Ryan? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I have to go with Penny Saw. I thought he, I thought he was fantastic up against Boza. Um, you know, there's, I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that be caught like saying, "Oh, do we really need Decker now?" I mean, you got to keep Decker there anyway because he's he's been he's been fantastic for us last year. But yeah, Penny Saw, without a doubt, the way he handled him, um, I thought was superb. Um, and do you know what? I'm gonna go. Might be a light, little bit of a surprise, but I don't have faith in this guy, and it's the kicker seat. But I just think that he is not going to be around very long. I think that we're going to be getting rid of him in the next. I don't think he makes week four personally, so I think that he's going to be someone that I have little faith in. And um, uh, but massive, massively happy with um, Penne still. Think you know we've got beast there. What about you, Martin? I think my player, I would probably have gone for Jamal Willis, but I'm going to go for the Hawk. I think uh, I think he shows some really nice touches and, you know, he's developing to a great player and I think he's going to be the one of the, oh, I think he already is one of the top tight ends in the uh, in the NFL, but I think he's definitely going to be another pro bowler this, this season. Um, you know, if he, he seems to have developed a good link up there with Goff as well. Uh, usually, um, I mean, I've got not just because I've got him on my uh, Lions new Lions jersey, but that's usually a curse for whoever that is, uh, having had Stafford and Slay on the previous two. So, yeah, I, I think Hawk was uh, was really, uh, you know, as developed again from last year. But he had a reasonable season last year. I think he showed more of the same and a bit better this week. So, yeah, I'm pleased with Hawk. Um, in terms of uh, bust has got to be Harris I'm sorry I know it's already been said but I hate the guy I think he's just I, I, I don't know you just stay away from me on, on, on Monday night if he does anything anything again because I think my wife's sick of hearing his name your poor so, telly's going to feel the wrath of your remote yeah, just, I feel it I just, he just stinks the place out every single time um, I mean I, I didn't think Flowers was great I know he made a, a nice play towards the end of the game, but again, the guy's on a, on a fair amount of cash. So, yeah, but I'm going to stick with Harris. Okay. Um, if you guys in the chat have anyone you want to shout out as a winner and a loser out there, appreciate that. I'll hit mine, and then maybe if you guys have a suggestion, I'll, I'll go back through that too. Um, oh, it's really hard for me to pick a winner. I thought AJ Parker, through his 21 snaps, basically went unnoticed, which probably means he had a good game which I'm really encouraged by, you know, starting nickel corner, especially against these twitchy receivers and Kissel. He didn't show himself up. That was good. Uh, I, I want to go Saul as well. I know that we don't really go... Ever, no, no, I'm going Khalif Raymond. Khalif Raymond was protected during the preseason. Us on this podcast, a couple of people, not me, but a couple of people have been saying, why is this guy getting protected? He's shown nothing in preseason games to show that he's the guy that needs to be this wide receiver one or two that we're going to protect him from injury because he doesn't need the rep time but he came in made a few good clutch catches down the stretch look reliable look fast i think he needs to take a bigger role next week so we'll see what happens with that my loser is alex anzalone he played every snap on defense and he was our lowest ranked player i mean so this this team this coaching staff especially with the guys who were cut and who were retained on cutdown day, said every one of these guys deserves to be on this roster. Anzalone does not deserve to be on this roster. He has time and again showed he does not have the ability to play at this level. 
he is not an NFL player. And I was a big believer in him coming in at the start of free agency. I thought it was a good pickup. He's going to gel well with this coaching staff from New Orleans. He's going to know what's going on. He's going to fit in like a glove. He may not be the best player, but he's going to be reliable. He's not. He's not. He looks lost out there in the run and the pass. And always oh, wearing the green dots. He has to be out there. And it's like, no, just give it to Collins and start Barnes. And actually, there's been a lot of things that's been going on in the chat. Would you start Derek Barnes next week? Yes. Yeah. yeah definitely. Million percent. Right. Million percent. Hundred percent of the Royal Alliance guys think Derek Barnes should start next week, which probably means it's not well. happening. It's not happening. Right, <laughs> let's move on to the chat. And we've got Sodanad AD, so Ashley, our guy, um, saying winner for him is Barnes. He said he looked really good in his limited snaps. And considering he only had five snaps, that's the thin slice of the wedge, man. The loser for him was Tyrell Williams, not particularly from his bad play, but just a combo of concussion and lack of targets. Um, Dan Pask also in the Twitch chat says the loser's a CUDA for obvious reasons. Winner's Goff, <laughs> apparently, likes his... Uh, he bought his jersey and likes how the game ended and kind of that he showed a bit more faith in his own game and to be fair Goff turned it on down the stretch and then he he kind of looks a bit scared again when it actually was in the running let's have a look and see if there's any more guys being mentioned in here we have another shout out for Khalif Raymond's another one for Barnes um here's Johnny says Anzalone is the second or third string player put him on special teams Barnes to start totally agree I, I think that's too rich for Anzalone. He doesn't deserve to be on this on this special teams crew. We, we've cut a couple of good special teams players. Did you see Miles Killebrew for Pittsburgh? Did you see Miles Killebrew for Pittsburgh? Because that guy single-handedly won the game for Pittsburgh against Buffalo. And he could be here. He could have been here. Um, he made two great plays for us as well. You know, I mean, he's a really good special teams player. There's no doubt about it. Was it against Washington? I can't remember. He, he had, or I can't remember what he'd done, but he, he, he was in Minnesota. I think it was Washington, but yeah, I, I, I was surprised at that one, really. So I thought that that would be a Dan Campbell guy, especially on special teams, but not to be. Is what it is. Right. Um, I think we're coming to the end, boys. Any final words you want to say on the game? I think, yeah. I, I think no, I'd like to hear your guys' opinion because, I mean, all I've seen on, 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 a little bit of Twitter, uh, Facebook, and stuff like that is the discussion about Decker. What so I think that there'll be people wondering about that because of Saul's performance being so so good. Um, basically, what do you think of that then? Uh, I'll go first because I've been quite vocal. This is very easy. Decker has been paid, he does what the team tells him when he gets back in four or five weeks, he's our right tackle. And that is simply put, is Sewell in four or five weeks will win the job. You can't just upseat him. It's fine telling someone in pre-season, you're the right tackle, or now you're left. But when you've played four or five games, because he ain't going to be back for maybe a month, just over, to then tell him to go to right tackle, he's going to completely throw him. I think Decker comes back. He does what the team is, tells him, what's best for the team, because I think he'll have the be their best interest at heart. And I think we go with him at right tackle, still at left tackle. And I think that has got the makings of a great thing. He played right tackle in college, I think, and he's either freshman or junior. So I think it's going to work out really well. People are worrying over nothing, unless he throws his toys out, Pram. 
What about you, Martin? Any thoughts on that? No, I'm in agreement with Ryan there. I think that that's definitely the way way to go. And actually, I'm excited by seeing both of them there. Um, I can only have the strength that I think we would we missed on on Sunday. Uh, I think we allowed ourselves to get bullied a little bit there. So I'm looking forward to seeing both of them in the same in the same team when he returns. So I, I this is something where it's like suck it and see. For me, it's all about the next three or four weeks. If Saul can rep at an elite level right now, then I'm willing to roll with him at left tackle. But I don't believe that that's possible. I don't think that Saul is going to do that because he's a really young guy, not played for 18 months. To expect him to do that, that is just, it's not possible. There's someone who is more likely to learn how to play right tackle better. Which which one of these guys? The guy who played most recently right tackle three and a half years ago, or the guy who last played it seven years ago? And I mean, the guy who last played it seven years ago, rep last year as a top five left tackle. They don't grow on trees. Like, Saul might not work out. I would go as far as saying that Saul, on average, probably works out at a top 20 left tackle which is good but there's no guarantee that Decker is good at right tackle and there's no guarantee that Saul actually works out but what we can guarantee is that Decker will be a very very good left tackle I I don't know like is it going to harm Saul's development if he tries to learn to play right tackle first and then maybe fails this argument entirely flips if Saul plays really well in his first few weeks and just wins the job outright, because I can stomach that. If Saul just plays so well that you can't take him out, fair play. But assuming that isn't the case, your most important position is left tackle. You need to give Goff a chance to try and win the job here long term. And to do that, you need to protect his blind side as best you can, and Decker represents that possibility. I think I think I just saw someone say there that he avoided the question earlier today, and I did notice that. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. To be brutally honest, with you. Um, I mean, I, I like the idea of keeping his development going, but then I like playing your left tackle. I mean, if he's dealing with Boza, then you know he's going to be dealing with a lot of you know. I don't know. I I really don't know. I I personally kind of agree with Ryan that I think if we can move Decker there and it's a pretty simple plug-in kind of thing for us, then we should keep Saw at left tackle. But I can also agree with your argument as well. So, you know, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. You know, we've got a really good O-line there and you just want the balance to be right, you know. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see when, when Decker comes back. I suppose... For one, uh, for the first time in a long time, it's a good problem mm. for us to have because oh, yeah. one thing for sure is we don't have these kind of problems in many areas ever in Detroit. So, you know, this seems like a good one to have for once. Absolutely, is. And this is why I didn't like getting rid of Crosby. We were asking for trouble when we got rid of him. I knew we're hurt, but suddenly now we need someone to plug in swing tackle or someone to help for a few weeks, and we don't have him because Nelson stank. He was putrid i'm sorry i feel sorry for him because he's a convert but it did not work he can't play next week someone has got a stenberg or someone yeah oh, stenberg right guard and big b right tackle. Yeah. yeah i think that represents the best chance of success and you know if not stenberg then kramer played fairly well preseason someone can go there but big v's got to be better than matt nelson it's got to be 
Uh, and in fact, Steve always said exactly that in the chat, word for word. Agree with you, man. Um, right. Coming up later on this week, on Wednesday, is our college football show. Ryan, what can we expect? Uh, we're going to pick out some of the big results over the weekend because there was some there was some shocks. There was also some great games. We'll look forward to what's coming up this weekend. Uh, I'm also looking at, uh, I think, I think I picked tight ends. It's not something for us, but I think I'm going to highlight a few players, some guys to watch, and I'm just going to work my way through the offense, like I say. And uh, also, I'm going to list my usual winners and losers. Like I say, we're just going to uh, go through everything. And there's a there's a few rivalries coming up as well on Sunday's weekend, so we're going to just plow on right through into week three. Fantastic, good stuff. Preview show for the Packers game is this coming Thursday, September sixteenth. So don't forget to tune into that. Obviously, the game is on Monday night football, so we're not going to be doing an episode on Monday night because the game won't have happened yet. It will be Tuesday next week for the review show. No matter how available the Royal Alliance guys are, there will be a show on Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> uh, any final words, boys, before we sign off? Go and beat the fucking Packers next week. Let's get this season off and running. I fucking can't They're there for the taking. Yeah, they're there for the taking. I think if we step up. How hype is it going to be if we can sign the Packers to 0-2 to start the season? How fucking hype is it going to be? And <laughs> knock Rodgers out, that'd be even better. Fuck him. Might send him into retirement if he loses against the Lions week two. <laughs> right. Very luck. So those are our next shows coming up. You can find us on our socials on Royal the Lions UK on YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now TikTok. We've got one video up. It's um, it's our little snippet talking to Jason Bell. And if you want to learn a little bit about Aaron Glenn, just have a look at our TikTok. There's about a minute 40 seconds of uh, Jason Bell, a former NFL DB and co-host of the NFL show on the BBC over here in the UK. He talks about what it was like to play with Aaron Glenn, what it was like being taught by Aaron Glenn how to play the position and, and what he brings as a teacher and a coach to defensive coordinator in Detroit. So give that a look. New articles coming as well all the time on RoyalTheLionsUK.com and the Facebook group, Worldwide Fans, run by the chairman, Ryan Farden, is Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. Um, just remains for me to thank the co-hosts, Martin Burrell, Ryan McCluskey, Ryan Farden, I'm Matthew Turner. We will see you on Wednesday for the College Football Show, then Thursday for the Packers Preview Show. Let's go Lions One Pride. One Pride. One Pride. One pride.